are so honored that you're here with us for season three. We want to share, connect, and grow the paper flower community with you. Welcome to Paper Talk. Today's episode is sponsored by our patron, Robin. We appreciate your donation and we're excited to keep creating content for the paper flower community. If you're interested in supporting us, head on over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash paper talk and sign up as a patron. We would love to see you there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Paper Talk. Today, we have Inga Peterson with us, and we're super excited to have her here. She is a paper artist, as you know, and she's also an instructor, and she lives and works in Portland, Oregon. She has a background in painting and industrial design, and in 2017, her art practice evolved to creating paper flowers, plants, and insects. Hello, Inga. Welcome to Paper Talk. Hi, Inga. Hi there. I'm so excited to be here. It's such an honor to be on your podcast. (laughs) It's so much fun. We love it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, it's amazing that we can reconnect with you over the podcast after following you for some time since you started, actually. And came to the masterclass. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Was it only last year? No, that was was two two years ago. Okay. Almost two years ago. Oh my God. It felt like last year. The whole last year, like, flew by. So it felt like it did exist. But we're thrilled. Yeah, absolutely thrilled to be able to reconnect with you again, Inga, and to talk about how far you've come. I mean, since the masterclass in 2019. So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you started as a paper florist, your paper flower journey, and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, sure. Well, so I have a background in fine art. I have a degree in painting, and I also have a degree in industrial design, which is like a 3D product design if you think of that. And so all of my life, I've been really into art and creative projects, things like that. And I came across Paper Flowers when I had been working full-time for several years, probably, you know, 10, 15 years. And I really... I was working really hard to get back into a regular art practice. And I had the idea that I was going to be working on paintings. So I wanted to do floral still lifes, but with my work schedule, I could never finish a painting using fresh flowers. And I I didn't want to work from photos. I wanted something in front of me. So I thought, I bet I could make some paper flowers. And I started doing some research and I started seeing all these amazing artists making these lifelike paper flowers. I'm like, oh my gosh, they can do that. I want to do that. So I I started and, you know, the first flowers I made, of course, are nothing like what I'm making now. You know, they were much more simple. I, I did a lot of tutorials online. I was looking at Leah Griffith. I was looking at YouTube tutorials. And then Tiffany Turner's book came out and I am such a detail person. I just, I love her tutorials and her book. And I just, get sucked into those tiny little details and the realism. So I, I really put a lot of focus on that when I was doing my own projects. That's kind of how my style started evolving, like really looking at those small details and how to make something really realistic. And of course, not every single flower I do now is in that same style, but for the most part, that's what I like to do. Do you have any tips for people that are using Tiffany Turner book? Because the most response we get is very difficult to go through. You know, yeah, it is. It, mm-hmm. What I like to do with those tutorials, first, I'll just read through the whole thing. I won't try to make anything and just read it through. And then I'll just go back one step at a time and really look at one or two sentences. Do that task or think about that task and then move on to the next thing. When I start making, 
I have an overview in my head from reading the whole tutorial and looking at the pictures. And then I start breaking it down into those smaller details that she has in there. So I try to make it a little easier on myself, sort of reorganize it in my head so that it works for me. (laughs) I think one of the best thing I like about you, Inga, is you really break down the steps for your students and you make it very thoughtful and you don't rush things and you make it as simple as possible without feeling like it's very technical and you bring in that art piece in. That's just incredible. I love your style. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's really important to me that when someone is following along with my tutorials that they understand all the steps so that it is really broken down and that they can, you know, it feels more doable when there's small, clear steps towards your finished flower and you understand what's going on. And I I try to explain why I'm making certain choices for the paper or the colors or the paint. It's really my goal for, you know, someone who's doing a tutorial of mine to not only be able to make that flower, but also to understand my process of decision making along the way of making that flower so that they can transfer that to another project that they're working on. Absolutely. And I think that's what, I mean, a lot of your tutorials stand out because you're able to think about it from a student's perspective as well, right? Because sometimes we're all just in our head and we think this is how you do it. And we're so used to the knowledge that we think that everyone knows it, but that's not true. And even if I know it, if I can't understand the way you explain it, I'll never get it. So I love the way that you're approaching it from the view of the student and thinking ahead about how are they going to truly understand it and take those techniques, uh, kind of assimilate them into their own practice and then be able to transfer them to other projects. That's, I think, really important as as a teacher. Yeah, thanks. And uh, the more I work with students and the more feedback I get too, I think I'm, I'm able to take that even further. So I'm really excited about that. And I love... I love teaching and I love working with students. So how do you like teaching on Patreon? Well, for Patreon right now, I just have pre-recorded video. So I'm not doing any sort of live element on there. I am doing Zoom workshops, which is a separate thing. But for Patreon, I have, you know, content, planned content each month that I announce to the students before the month begins. And sorry, do you mind if I go back a little bit? Do you mind explaining to our listeners what Patreon is? Yeah, absolutely. So Patreon is a platform for artists of any kind working in any media or sound, music, anything to get support from their fans. And basically it's it's a platform where you can post content or offer rewards of some kind for people who support you monetarily. Mm -hmm. And I love Patreon because it's really easy to use. I'm supplying the content and they're doing all the backend stuff. Like, for example, I have a couple of support levels with different rewards. And when I post content that only goes to that one group, I just click a button and that entire group gets an automatic notification. No one else in the other support levels can see that content unless they change their support membership to that level. Mm -hmm. And it just, it does it all for you. It's a really easy way to start if you don't want to learn a huge amount of tech stuff to get your program started. There's not really, Patreon, I would say you, you want to be willing to do your own marketing. There isn't much of a like search, like they're not promoting you to other 
Patreon users. Like if you have a, a course on Skillshare or something, Skillshare promotes your course within its whole platform. Patreon expects each, each artist to promote it to their own network. So that's what I do. I promote my tutorials on Facebook and Instagram and to my newsletter. That's how I get the word out. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've been getting my patrons. So what exactly do you offer your patrons? So every month I am posting three videos and one is a behind, I call it behind the scenes. And that's just a very general catch all for anything that I'm doing, some prep work for a project or how I set up my studio to make tutorials or a little talk about my design process or look at how my cone flower from three years ago looks much different than the one I did just this year and how how things evolved. So I do little videos like that. And then another video I do is called a deep dive. And that's like a step-by-step full tutorial for that featured flower for the month. And, you know, I've got a, a PDF template that goes with it and a materials list and all the things that you would need to create that flower. And then I always do a tip of the month. And a lot of times it will relate to the flower of the month. Other times it's something like how to pack your flowers for shipping or, you know, how to arrange something in a base so that it stands up right without using floral foam or, you know, little things like that. Mm-hmm. So I try to, I try to relate the, the videos within each month to each other in some way. That's what I do right now. And well, that sounds I'm, fun. I'm planning on expanding things a little bit more, but I don't quite have the, the details worked out yet. So. Yeah. It's always the evolution of growing yeah. your business, trying to figure out, yeah. does that work? Can I make that happen? Can I yeah. put that on my plate to add another piece that adds more value to our students? Yeah. And so, so you know, starting with Patreon was a, is a great place to start too, if you're just new to tutorials, it's, it's a good platform to just put something out there. You know, as you get more experience, you can grow and change it. And Mm -hmm. Patreon doesn't have any upfront costs. You only pay a percentage when you get patrons. So you can have things on there for months at a time. If if you're just growing it and you didn't promote it yet, no worries. You know, Mm -hmm. you can have a bunch of stuff on there sitting there for free until you're ready to launch it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I like that. I know. Yeah, we've been looking into that as well in terms of how to deliver some behind the scenes content for Paper Talk like this. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> um, a great idea. Yeah. And trying to and I actually love the idea behind Patreon because like I said, like, you know, when we were talking before, historically, artists have patrons, right? So patrons yeah. who support them, who commission work or for their whole lives. And really, it's it's that relationship that I think you could, that is now transferred online through Patreon to have, to, to kind of create those relationships or maintain those types of relationships with your followers. We just changed the name of them, right? It's now they're our followers. Yes. On Patreon, it mirrors, I guess, the that type of historical transaction a lot more because they're actually is payment. But I I think it's really interesting as artists talking to other artists, like this isn't a stretch at all. The only difference is now we're calling a crowdsourcing platform, but the whole idea is still the same. People supporting creators and artists. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's a great, I I agree with you. I think it's a a great option if, you know, Etsy isn't your thing or you're not quite sure. I think Patreon is a great way to even just build people who care about your work, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, 
you know, because you can choose different support levels, you can cater to someone who only has a very limited bu budget or someone who has more money that they can support you with. So you can have dip those different levels. It makes it really easy. Yeah. So a lot of people do want to support you, but they, they can't necessarily afford, you know, a, a more expensive membership or... Or they don't know how. Or they don't know how. Yeah, Which is exactly. what Quinn and I were talking about for Paper Talk. If you don't make paper flowers and you don't sell them, before we were on Patreon, there was no way really to support us. You wouldn't become a member of our directory, which is one way to support us. You don't need to buy our courses. You could like our podcast, but in terms of, you know, donations and sponsorship, there really was very little way. And so that's why we've created this third option. Kind of third, right? Something like that. One of those options. Yeah. <laughs> Another option. One option in which somebody who just, who loves what we're doing can support us. And like you said, well, right now we have one level, but it's so easy to kind of change up the levels or change up the sponsorship content. And it is flexible. Yeah, I found yeah, that it is flexible. Or you can just yeah. stick with the one level. I mean, there's no reason why you can't. Yeah. Another way that you can support artists that doesn't involve any monetary is write a review. I think that is would be so beneficial for any artist to have because mm -hmm. it's a way to share your experience you did with the artist that other people are wondering, I wonder what this artist is like working with or what is the product like? Mm -hmm. Sharing a review on Instagram, on Facebook, on their website, or mm -hmm. just sending an email or even for this podcast, if you just write a review for iTunes or any platform that you listen to, it is an incredible way to boost our platform up in another level yeah. and to show your support without any monetary. Yeah, at all. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think as artists, you have to start asking for reviews. You can't, you can't wait for them to just decide to give you a review. <laughs> and, you know, I've struggled with that because I don't like asking for things <laughs> at all. We, I think we all do. <laughs> I, I think as females, we that all feeling. have that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing is, whenever I have, some of my customers have already, like, they already said, they're like, I already had a review written for you. I'm just waiting to, like, to edit it and know where to post it. So it's not even like they don't want to. It's they don't know how to. And if you don't ask, you know, some life is busy. They just kind of forget about it. They might have written it, but they haven't posted it. But yeah, so it doesn't hurt to ask. And likewise, you know, if you love somebody, work. Yeah, go ahead and post something and review it for them because we all love reading these Amazon reviews before we buy things. <laughs> it does make a difference, you know. You might make someone stay too. It's oh, just exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. They because, totally I mean, do. we're at home. I mean, so much right now. We don't really talk to other people unless we reach out. And just having this review that pops in your email or shows on your website is such a huge high. It's like, mm -hmm. oh my God, they love my work. Yes. <laughs> Even after years down the road. It's just like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm doing it right. It's, yeah. it's incredible, you guys. Yeah. So yes, give us all the reviews. <laughs> curiosity. And I mean, you have a fine arts background and you've talked a little bit about that. How do you think it shapes your, your creative process and your journey into becoming and evolving into this paper flower artist? Yeah. So I would have to say that there's, there's definitely certain advantages to having that background. It's not required by any means to become a paper florist or to make paper flowers. But some of the things from my education that I rely on a lot, I have a lot of experience using different materials, experiences with color, uh, color in relation to, you know, mixing color or how colors relate to one another and uh, proportion too. Proportion is really big. If you are designing flowers and making flowers and you want them to look realistic, being very aware of proportion is very important. 
on the, on the other hand, if you want a flower to look very whimsical and fantastical, being aware of proportion in that way can help you say, you know, I want to make this center huge and larger than life. You know, having that experience will help you get there a little bit. So essentially you're talking about fine art principles, fine art principles. Yeah. Right. So So, yeah. So let's back up. So what are you saying when you say fine art principle for people that don't have that art background? I, I would say fine art principles are just just like what I talked about, studying shape and proportion and composition. So these these are just like those basic sort of art words. And without getting into a really long lecture about it, it might be hard to describe each one, but... That would be a good Patreon piece yeah, for you to do. Yeah, that's a great idea. But if you think about like, you know, if you're making a floral arrangement, it could be compared to making a painting. You are looking at where the different color flowers fall in that arrangement. You are looking at the distance between the flowers you're looking at that shape relationship between a large focal flower and some of the smaller ones so it's really taking a moment to step back and sort of analyze and assess what you're working on i actually call my arrangements compositions yeah because to me that's what they are and without using the fine art you know technical terms i do find and this is just me talking about i you know i did go into fine arts i didn't finish it I went to graphic design. It didn't finish it. It didn't feel like it allowed me to express myself because really as a graphic designer, you're not really expressing yeah, yourself. You're right. expressing oh, what I your know. client know wants that. to express. <laughs> you know that because you were in that. Yes. You were in that. But sorry, going back to the things that I did learn in art school and my art school really was, you know, semi-art school. It wasn't really a true art school in the sense that other artists might have gone into a fine arts degree where they could explore all the mediums. But even that limited exposure and some of the practices that we had to do and and even just talking about fine art techniques they I found I don't know I personally found that they really did help me years later because it's really ingrained in everything you do it's not just in one thing it's you those skills that you do learn are expressed in so many ways and I my my prime example is how I dress. It's about shape. It's about proportion. And not everyone expresses themselves through what they wear, but through their flowers, right? Like you, Inga, it's like, mm-hmm. this is how you're expressing what you've learned through your experience and also in fine, you know, in your, in your schooling in that way. I agree with you that not, not everyone has to go to fine arts school or, and, or schooling at all to be a paper florist, but I think it's a huge advantage because at the end of the day, I think you pick up things faster. I think it's, you learn faster. You, you kind of find yourself faster. Faster. Like you find your yeah. voice faster yes. because isn't that what it is in, in school? You're going there to learn, to find a voice, to experiment, to you have permission to experiment in a way. Exactly. And I think a lot of it also comes down to learning how to take an idea from just a concept into reality. So it's that whole art and design process of, yeah. hey, I've got this idea. How do I get that from my Absolutely. head, the planning and then execution, the yeah. physical realm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So that, you know, I, I feel like my background really, really has given me the uh, knowledge to understand that process very well. Yeah. Because I've also found that you've kind of found your style quite quickly as well. And that's not an easy thing to find your style. Right. Some right. people, it takes years and obviously we're all still evolving. So you're, you know, your voice is still evolving, but it's 
easy for me to look at a flower and somebody holding it and knowing that it's your work because I can see there's something about it. And it's something you can't really describe sometimes, right? There's something about it that I'm like, you know, that's Inga's handiwork. And so you having been able to find your style in paper flowers so quickly, no, I don't want to say that it has to do with your fine arts background, but certainly likely. (laughs) Yeah, my, my paper flower style definitely relates to a lot of the previous artwork non-paper flower artwork that I've done. My sensibilities and appreciation for certain types of details and, you know, these things just tend to pop out after making, like certainly the first flowers that I made did not have this sort of style at all. They were just learning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's a part of the process. So if you're a brand new paper flower maker, just know that making all these flowers that you're making, if you if you feel like they're not quite there yet, that is part of the process. You will get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A practice. Yes, it exactly. Is it's practice. It's a practice. It. And yep. it's, yeah. that's also part of, you know, my art and design background is it's a constant practice. There's no, you know, you can put it down for a, a while, several months if you have to, but you come back to it. You come back to it and then you can, it's a lifelong practice. (laughs) (laughs) And why not, right? There's always new things to learn. Tell us about, I mean, you've talked about Patreon. Tell us about your Zoom workshops because you do talk about, you have talked about that. What are your Zoom workshops like? Yeah, so I, I started doing Zoom workshops over the summer and I've been doing like one or two a month since then. And I am there to guide you step by step through a specific flower that I make. So I do, I like to keep my workshops small. So it's, you know, I, I cap it off at 10 people or so. Can I ask you why? Yeah, because I like to relate to everyone individually. Mm-hmm. When the group gets really big, I kind of start to feel uh, lost. Like there's so many people that I can't reach out to everyone individually. I hear you. Can I just ask, is it one of those things where like, if there's 40 people at some point, like everyone's trying to talk, like this is us, right? Like I'm talking yeah. to you, you're talking to me because in, virtually it's actually very difficult it's to hard. read each other, to be like, oh, she's about to yeah. talk. I'm not going to talk. Like I can only imagine, and I've never taught one with 40. I can only imagine that, yeah, over a certain number it could be yeah. a challenge. Well, you know, I did do a Zoom demo over the summer and that that had 35 people, but that was different because it wasn't, we weren't individually working on the flower at the same time, like step by step. That was me showing a technique, talking about it, and then at the end, just asking if there's any questions. Mm-hmm. So that setup is much different than like one of my Zoom workshops where I've got a small group of students, we all, you know, we can unmute anytime, like, and ask a question. We're really looking at each little technique. And as we go, the students are making it at the same time and asking me questions, holding their project up for some assessment and question. And, you know, it's much more interactive. Right. And, you know, I maybe as I go along, I would be more comfortable having more people on there. But I really enjoy that small group dynamic. You know, I'm definitely as a person, I'm just more of an introvert. So I love relating to people one on one. And these small groups are much closer to that sort of dynamic. So I enjoy it. And when's your next Zoom workshop? So I am planning one for Valentine's or not on Valentine's Day, but 
uh, the day before, February 13th, I want to do a special rose workshop. I also really want to celebrate love during that workshop. So I have some special ideas for just making it a really fun and joyful experience. Yay. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I can't believe Valentine's <laughs> only two months away. Yeah. <laughs> when we're recording this. <laughs> yes, yes, we're recording this ahead of time. I don't, I usually don't wait until like the week before to plan a workshop. No, <laughs> yes, definitely not. You. <laughs> you. So how can they sign up for your Zoom workshop? What's the best way? Go to my website. I have a workshops page on there and you can also sign up for my newsletter there. I send out, you know, at least one, maybe two newsletters a month with exactly, you know, everything that I'm working on and updates and educational opportunities, all that stuff. So yeah, make sure to uh, head to my website and sign up for my newsletter. Perfect. We'll include that in the show notes for you guys if you want to click on that and find more information about Inga. So Inga, as we wrap up, what is your favorite drink of choice and what do you watch when you make paper flowers? Well, for a drink, it has to be tea. I mean, I mean, I love, I love a good black tea with some coconut milk or green tea, herbal tea. Like I love them all. Love them all. Oh, can I do a recommendation? If yeah. you love coconut milk, Trader Joe has the best coconut creamer. It doesn't oh. taste like coconut. It doesn't smell like coconut, but it's nice and thick and creamy, like a heavy cream, but it's oh. dairy free. It's delicious. <laughs> Oh, that sounds great. I know. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. We, we have to make up. that special trip to Trader Joe's. Yes. <laughs> and what do you watch? <laughs> I don't watch anything. I actually can't, I can't focus on anything visual besides what I'm working on. But I do like listening to podcasts. And a few of my favorites are Cultivating Place. That is a really good one. Mm -hmm. um, that is a good one. Yeah. The Jealous Curator is a, oh, yeah. a really good art podcast, artist interviews. That's another good one. Ologies. That one is all about, it's science related, but very, very eccentric, sort of unusual scientific topics. Whoa. And discussed in a very humorous way. So I really like it. Yeah, I love I, it's that. just fun. <laughs> you need some lighthearted podcasts sometimes to crack yeah. up over making yeah. paper flowers. Exactly. Yeah, and a lot of times I just work in silence, honestly. Like if I'm really trying to figure something out or, you know, trying to finish something quickly for some reason, I really just, I need all 100% of my focus and I just go for silence yeah. and I'm, I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> oh, one quick question. What is your favorite art coloring medium that you like to do with your paper flowers? Oh my gosh. Well, I, I have to say, I love the Dr. P.H. Martin liquid watercolor. <gasps> yes. So, so much. So That's my favorite. There's, there's so many other great ones though. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. Depending I, on, I guess depending on what you want it to look like, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love painting my paper. So coming from someone who loves painting my paper, I would re definitely recommend that, that type of watercolor. Yeah, definitely. It's such a good one. If you guys haven't picked it up yet, most craft stores, Michael's carries it, um, Blick Art, they also carry it. So it's just, it just comes in a glass jar, pre-mixed watercolor. Yeah, and very concentrated and can just put out one drop or two drops at a time. And it's can awesome. I say they're dyes? So they're oh, no. different. So, no. sorry, they're which not. one? The, the, the fine art 
the Hydra's Fine Art watercolor is not dyed. No, that no, that one, yeah, that one's yeah. not. I've that been using the other one. It's the high intensity, way. which is which is dye, which mm-hmm. you can't get that same color in a watercolor palette. So if you want an intensity, you use the other one. It is called, it is the Phil Martins, not the Hydra's. It's the... Is it the it's Radiant? The, it's the... Radiant? Is it that one? Yes, it is the radiant yeah. one. And those are the dyes because you can't yes. get that in a palette, which is why I get it like that. But yeah, <laughs> the, the hydrous ones, my understanding is that they're also archival. Yes, mm-hmm. the hydrous ones are archival and light fast. Yes. Um, the, the dye-based ones may or may not be light fast depending on the color. So check the bottle if that is an important factor if, for Yeah, you. exactly, if that's an important factor. It, it isn't for everyone. I, I like it because, you know, with my pieces that I want to send to galleries, I want to make sure that the color is not going to fade so that aspect is important to me but there's so many media color medias that are great to use that aren't necessarily light fast so yeah so true it's a great alternative if you don't have the design master sprays <laughs> oh yeah those are those are beautiful i actually have nowhere to spray i i live in an apartment so and when it's raining outside i, I yeah. can't do that so know i know it I just skip it. I just skip it. It's so wet. (laughs) Honestly, if you don't have to make like a ton of paper flowers, yeah, hand paint them. Like you have the time. But if you're going to be making like 50 of them, then don't spend the time coloring them. That's a great point. You're going to spend too much time unless if you charge a lot for each one of them. So, I mean, I just think it depends on, like it depends on what your purpose is and what you want it to end up looking like. That is such a great point. You know, I do want to mention that my way of working and, the projects that I like to do are those slower, small quantity projects. Mm-hmm. And that's just what I choose to focus on. So, but there are so many, so many ways and approaches for making paper flowers. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Inga, yes, for stopping so by much. and it's chatting so with us. I know. Oh, yeah, it's so <laughs> great to chat and catch up. Just amazing. I love it. <laughs> We're so excited for 2021 for you. It sounds like you're starting yeah. off with a bang with the Zoom workshop and Patreon. And it sounds like it's going really, really well. We're super proud to see where you're at now. Since getting so to know proud. you two years ago. Like it's, oh my God, it's crazy. You're doing like amazing things. <laughs> Thank you're making, you. Yeah. You're making your dream come true. Like at the I am. I am. And you know what? I I also want to say for anyone who is in that spot of like, you know, wishing that they were working towards their dream, just take some small steps. I mean, that's how I started. Small step and it builds over time. So just keep going and you will get there. Thank you so much, Inga. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs)